You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey, everybody. It's great to be with you guys today. I want to welcome those that are watching all over Central Oregon, a bunch of you as well. But we have people up in Alaska, overseas, uh, that watch every week, uh, that join in on our on, in our online community. And so it's great to have you guys with us as well. I've been in Alaska this past week. Uh, my sister lives up there, and my mom went to visit my sister, and she needed help getting back home. And so my wife and I took a week uh, and just traveled around northern Alaska. And uh, I got to tell you, the solitude and silence was really nice, uh, especially in light of where we're at uh, in our culture. Just getting unplugged for a minute uh, was really, really good for my soul. You know, it's hard to hear Jesus sometimes above the noise, isn't it? Uh, the noise of everything going on around us. It's hard to hear Jesus uh, when we're in the middle of an election year. Uh, it's hard to hear Jesus when everything else around us is so loud. And our hope in this series uh, through the miracles of Jesus is that, that you've been able to, to hear Jesus, to see Jesus in the midst of the noise, to, to catch his heart, to understand his character, to kind of connect with his person and, and to hear what he's saying to us as the church and how he wants us to live in this moment, in this time. And, you know, I'm hearing of deep uh, community and connections happening um, all over the region and home churches. A little shout out to my home church meets on Sunday nights. How you guys? Well, I get to watch myself. Uh, there's nothing, you know, there's a fear. The greatest fear is of public speaking, but that's not true. The other greatest, greater than that is watching yourself public speaking. <laughs> that's even worse. Uh, but I'm um, looking forward to my, my home church tonight. Um, and, you know, I'm hearing of deep community and connection happening in these uh, house churches uh, where people are really sharing their lives with one another. I, I just love that. I, increasing prayer and study of God's word is taking place in the sacred space that we've created here at the church as well as uh, in, uh, in the de daily devotions we're providing. Um, and then not only that, but every time we send out a request to help people in our community that are in need, like the clo clothing drive last week uh, for kids that are um, experiencing traumatic transitions, man, this church steps up. And we, we, in big ways, every single time we ask, you respond. And I just want to say thank you to you uh, and, and to all of us for joining in on this. And not only that, this afternoon I have the privilege of baptizing 21 people in the river. And I tell you, Jesus is doing a work. Even in the midst of this crazy moment, Jesus is doing a powerful work because we're leaning in to him and to what he has to say to us. And, you know, we've been saying for years around here uh, uh, that when we talk about our vision for the future, we use this phrase for years that we're changing the face of faith, one conversation and one act of kindness at a time. And I'm seeing that happening right now in this, in this moment. So thank you uh, for being faithful to the vision that God's given us as a church family for leaning in to home churches, for leaning in to, to prayer and serving, and it's making a difference. Well, today's miracle, we're going to be looking at John chapter 5. So uh, I'm going to turn there. It's going to be on the screen for you, but if you'd like to follow along in your own Bible, grab that. John chapter 5, this is the healing at a city, a uh, little area called Bethesda. It's a pool. We're going to talk about that and, and what happens in this particular location. And I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 5. Then Jesus returned to Jerusalem to observe one of the Jewish holy days. They had a lot of holy days. This is a big one. And so it's an important moment. And, uh, and Jesus is, is coming into Jerusalem. And where, where do you go in Jerusalem on a holy day? On a Sabbath during this one of these feasts. Where do you go? The temple. That's where you go. You go to church because that's what you're supposed to do, the synagogue. But Jesus, as, you'll, as we're going to see, is distracted by something before he gets to church. 
Before he even arrives in the synagogue, he's distracted by something. Check it out. Verse 2, inside the city near the sheep gate, there is a pool called in Aramaic, the house of loving kindness. And this pool is surrounded by five covered porches. Hundreds of sick people. I want you to get get the visual of this. Imagine this in your mind. Hundreds of sick people are lying there on the porches, the paralyzed, the blind, and the crippled. All of them waiting for their healing. For an angel of God would periodically descend into the pool to stir the waters, and the first one who stepped into the pool after the waters swirled would instantly be healed. It's really ironic if you think about this, that this place is called the house of loving kindness. I mean, did you get the picture of this? Hundreds of people laying around on these porticos and, these, and, and, and there's this one pool and every once in a while, the, uh, the, it was believed that an angel would stir the waters and, 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 then, and then the first person in might get their healing and the rest would not. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really sound like a house of loving kindness. It actually sounds like a house of disappointment and disillusionment, right? I mean, and then, and, then, and then look what happens. Now, there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years, lying among the multitude of the sick. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. So Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, there's no way I can get healed. He doesn't even answer Jesus' question. I mean, he's been there so long. He's been sick for so long. He doesn't even, he, he, he stopped dreaming of that. He stopped hoping for that. And he's like, sir, there's no way I can get healed for I have no one who will lower me into the water when the angel comes. As soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. This man was an invalid for 38 years, 38 long years. And how many of those years he must have been waiting in the, at this pool, and, 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 and how many years did he leave disappointed or rejected? See, this is the part of the faith journey that we don't often talk about in church. So many people have been waiting for years for a miracle. Even decades for healing or or maybe to have a, have, a, have a child or for a family member to come to Jesus. People have been waiting for years for their miracle. And, and, and sometimes in the church, we're afraid to, to go there. We're afraid to ask some harder questions about, about what faith looks like and how faith in God looks like, even when he doesn't look like he's doing what he promised to do, right? And are we willing to wrestle with those questions of why or how God does what he does. And, and then in verse 8, Jesus shows us a model of what he wants to see happen in his church. Then Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat, and you will walk. So immediately he stood up. He was healed. So he rolled up his mat, and he walked again. Now, this miracle took place on the Jewish Sabbath. See, Jesus is showing up He's showing something about himself in every miracle that we've seen in this series. I, ho- I, hope you're, I hope you've been paying attention. See, and what's interesting to me is that here in this miracle, Jesus goes to this pool first. He, he goes to this place where there were hundreds of people broken and hurting and desperately needing a miracle. He goes there first, not to the temple, not to church. 
I think the reason that Jesus didn't go first to the temple on this Jewish holy day is because the people who needed him weren't in the temple. I think that has something major to say to all of us in this moment. See, by this time in history, uh, the Jewish uh, temple was known as a place of, uh, of atonement or forgiveness. It was a place where you went to be forgiven of your sins, but you didn't go there for healing. Didn't, that's, that didn't happen in this time, in this day at the temples. And there were dozens of purity laws, actually, that existed during this, during this time in this religious system that would restrict certain people who had certain ailments from even entering into the temple. And so, of course, there was no healing happening in the temple. So Jesus, what does he do? He goes to them. If the religious system wasn't doing what he wanted to be done in his day, he goes around the religious system and does what he wants to do and goes to where he wants to go to the people who desperately need him. See, and, 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 and look at how the Jewish leaders responded to this. Were they happy? <laughs> Were they like, oh man, that's great. Glad that happened. No, look at verse 10. When the Jewish leaders saw the man walking along, carrying a sleeping mat, they what? Objected and said, what are you doing carrying that? His sleeping mat. <laughs> like, Don't you know it's the Sabbath? You're not, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed, it's not lawful for you to carry things on the Sabbath. I, I know that's the mat you've been laying on for 38 years that you're carrying now, and you're not laying on it anymore, you're carrying it, but that's not, you can't do that. And he answered them, the man who healed me told me to pick it up and walk, so, so I did, you know, and I'm walking. And they asked, what man? And who was this man who ordered you to carry something on the Sabbath? But the healed man couldn't give them an answer, for he didn't yet know who it was, since Jesus had already slipped away into the crowd. A short time later, Jesus found the man at the temple, and he said to him, look at you now. You're healed, man. Walk away from your sins so that nothing worse will happen to you. Jesus was concerned about this man's soul as much as he was about his body, right? And then the man went to the Jewish leaders to inform them it was Jesus who healed me. So from that day forward, the Jewish leaders began to persecute Jesus because of the things he did on the Sabbath. You know, throughout the writings of John in this gospel, he is highlighting the, the growing tension that exists between Jesus and the Jewish leaders. And typically it's over what Jesus chooses to do on the Sabbath, on this holy day. On, and he, he consistently heals people on the Sabbath. And this story actually has more to do with the Jewish leaders, uh, their response and opposition to this miracle than the miracle itself. John, John Folk uses the miracle to show us that, that there there, there was a group of people whose heart wasn't with God's. And when we apply this miracle to our moment and to our lives, I want you to ask yourself, who do you most represent in this story? The Jewish leaders or Jesus? Don't respond too quickly. I mean, I, you know, the answer in church is always Jesus. I know that. That's where we should be. But I want you to really think about it for a moment. I really want you to think about your life and how you respond to brokenness around you, to the people who are hurting and lost and uncertain about the future and even uncertain about religion or about their sexuality or about so many things in this life. What is your response to them? I want you to think more deeply about that. 
for just a moment. Some of the characteristics that we see here of the Jewish leaders is that they were, they were constantly looking for someone in the act of sinning. They were trying to find sin in people's lives in order to judge them. And they were huddled together with, people, with like-minded people, you know, like the holy huddle. Let's all get together. We all agree. That's good. And as a result, they missed the move of God. And the characteristics of Jesus are, are in contrast, stark contrast. John does this on purpose in, in much of his writings, especially when, regarding the miracles of Jesus, that he was looking for those who were broken. He was searching for them. I came to seek and to save the lost. I didn't come for, I didn't come for those who think they're well. I came for those who know that they're sick. He's, he came in order to show them mercy. Not to judge them, but to show them mercy and kindness. And he was constantly hanging out with sinners. He was accused of that on more than one occasion. And the reason he does all of this is that he's creating an opportunity for God to do something. For God to move. For God to do a miracle because he was in the space where miracles needed to be happening. See, if someone were to rate you on a scale from one to 10, where would, you, where would they rate you between the Jewish leaders and Jesus? And where would they put you on that scale? What number would they give you? If you're in a home church, go ahead and go around the circle. No, don't, don't do that. That would be, that wouldn't be very nice. I, I think you're a three, you know, don't do that. Don't do that. But where would, where would people rate you? Where would, where would someone rate the church? Us collectively on a scale of one to 10 between how the Jewish leaders responded and how Jesus responded to this invalid. One of the members of our speaking team sent this to me, this quote, the hard truth is that the current church more resembles the Jewish leaders while thinking of themselves as the invalid. Both need Jesus, but only one recognizes it. Boy, we need, we need the breath of God moving in our actions right now we need the character of Christ motivating us, inspiring us. It needs to be the, 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 the way that we respond to the world around us, the way that we interact with people on social media, the way that we have conversations around the issues that we're facing today need to be tainted with the character of Christ, the love and kindness and mercy of our Savior. It is the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. See, Jesus is constantly trying to show his disciples where he wants them to be and what he wants them to do. Rather than looking for how people are sinning, he calls us to look for those who are broken and in need and to go to them. Rather than standing in judgment over others, Jesus is calling us to show mercy and kindness and compassion. Rather than stand, staying huddled together, you know, and, and like in, this, in a building safe from the world, he sends us out to hang out with sinners and broken people and those who are in need of hope. Rather than missing this move of God, he is calling us to create opportunities for the move of God by living in proximity with those in our community. See, Jesus goes to the places and to the people that the religious system refused to go to. 
He moved toward the sick, the crippled, and the rejected in order to show us 2,000 years later the heart of God for those who live on the margins. Remember earlier in this series, we, we learned that the religious leaders often connected uh, people's sicknesses or injuries to the sin in themselves or in family members. But Jesus dispels this kind of thinking by moving into people's pain and suffering. Even, even to the point where him doing so will ultimately cost him his own life. Him healing people on the Sabbath was the primary reason that the religious leaders got so angry at Jesus and started to, to, to think about how they could kill him. So here's a question. Who are the people in our city, in your city, wherever you're at, who are the people who are in pain, who are suffering, who have lost hope, who are the people who might feel, uh, be feeling isolated right now or alone? Who, who might be feeling unworthy? Or maybe they feel like a burden on their families or society. Who might feel unaccepted because they think differently or vote differently or because of their sexual orientation? Who are the people that are on the margins in your life? Jesus' call is for us to go to them in love and kindness and with mercy and speak healing and wholeness and life. See, Jesus is constantly challenging people of faith to move toward other people with grace and power that can transform us all and make us new. Well, in my uh, last home church meeting, um, the movie Bruce Almighty came up. It's a group of young people, and, uh, and somebody quoted from Bruce Almighty. If you've never seen that movie, I don't recommend movies very often. You know, you just never know. But you've got to watch this movie. If you've not seen Bruce Almighty, it's an older movie. Uh, what's the actor's name? Uh, Jim, Jim, Jim Carrey, thank you. Jim Carrey, and uh, that's why we have four people in here to remind me of what I'm supposed to say. And um, so yeah, Jim Carrey, Bruce Almighty, great movie. And in this movie, everything falls apart for Bruce. I mean, he ends up, after many other, many other things fall apart, he ends up getting beat up uh, by some guys when he tries to help someone who's getting mugged. Um, and I'm laughing because I'm gonna share with you the scene that I'm thinking about because one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when he gets home after being, being beat up and he's talking to his girlfriend, Grace, about it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share the dialogue with you, all right? I, we might have it on the screen so you can follow along. Grace says this, well, thank God you're all right, <laughs> Bruce. God, yeah, let's thank God, shall we? For his blessings are raining down upon me. <laughs> Wait, that's not rain. Grace, Bruce, please don't do that, honey. <laughs> You know that everything happens for a reason. Bruce, that I don't need. That's a, that's a cliche. That is not helpful to me. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I have no bird. I have no bush. God has taken my bird and my bush. This poor guy. And then Grace says, oh, I see. So God is picking on you. Is that what you're saying? Bruce, no. He's ignoring me completely. He's far too busy giving Evan everything he wants. <laughs> You know, when you look at the world of suffering and death or the, the devastation in maybe in your own life, it, it would be easy to say, God, why don't you do something? It would be easy to think that God is ignoring us, 
that God isn't active anymore, that, or, or to blame someone else or some other group for the demise of our society or our world or whatever. And I imagine this is exactly what the invalid was thinking day after day, year after year, that God has forgotten me and he does not care about me. He does not want to be with me. He does not want to heal me or to touch me. And the hard truth is that while Jesus eventually did meet this man's need, there were probably hundreds of others who never got the attention or the healing. Cue the church. This is why Jesus invested three years of his life into men and women who would take his message and his way into the world. And it would become what we see today in Christianity, a place and a people who care for the sick and the hurting, and they reach out to meet the needs of those that are lost. See, Jesus showed us the way to bring restoration into a broken world, and he empowered his church to do it through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He empowers each of us, you and me, to move toward others who are broken and hurting and, and marginalized. This is what he intended his church to be. His hands, his feet, his representation. The church is his plan for healing, reconciliation, and wholeness, and we must step up to the plate in this hour. My prayer these past few months has been, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And he's answering that prayer. He's already answered that prayer through his church. And he said to Peter, even the gates of hell will not overcome it. Because my spirit will enliven it to do what I call you to do. To go to whom I call you to go. So will you allow him to answer that prayer through your life and mine. Would you pray with me? This is your prayer. If this is your heart, if you're like with me on this and you said, Jesus, I want, I want to be used by you in this moment. I want, I, want, I want to represent you in this moment. Would you repeat these words, this simple prayer right after me? And if you're in homes with other people, you just pray this quietly just right now where you're at. Maybe every eye is closed. Just have this sacred moment and say these words just loud enough in a whisper for your, your own ears to hear you. God can hear you. Say this, Lord, empower me by your Holy Spirit. Help me not walk in my own flesh, but help me to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit who lives in me and promised to be with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Hey, our prayer, our prayer teams are available online. If you need prayer, um, there's a button that you can push. The host online will let you know how you can receive prayer, individual prayer in a, in a private chat room where, where um, a, prayer, uh, a prayer team member can pray with you and, and lift you up in prayer. Um, also, if you're starting a journey with Jesus, if you are investigating him, if, you, if you're ready to follow him, uh, we have a great resource for you. It's at westsidechurch.org begin. Um, I would encourage you to check out that resource 
source. It will help you get going in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ and what that means and what that looks like and, and how you can connect uh, to a body uh, of believers like Westside. And so I encourage you to check that out, westsidechurch.org slash begin. God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week and uh, get in a home church. Hope to see you in the sacred space and God bless you guys. Have a great week.